0: We have uh, we started a series several weeks ago entitled The Jesus Way, and um, I really tried to stop calling them series. We're trying to call them teaching themes. I'm trying to teach myself to say that, uh, because most people think of a series the last four or five weeks, and sometimes we get into a, a time where it'll go for a while, and I don't want to be, be constricted to just a, a number of weeks, and so this is a teaching theme, and we'll be continuing this throughout Easter. We'll be rolling with it just as long as, as we feel like we're supposed to. And we've been talking about not only the what and not only uh, the who, but we've talked about the how and the why that Jesus did what he did, the Jesus way. And uh, it's, it's been so impactful for me as I've studied this to see so many things that just have stood out Let's read Isaiah fifty-five and verse number six. Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near, let the wicked forsake their ways. Everybody say their ways, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The first Sunday we, we discussed that his thoughts and his ways are not ours. And then a couple of Sundays ago, we dove into that his thoughts and his ways are higher than ours. ours. So the reason that he thinks differently and acts differently than we do is because he thinks higher than we do. And he acts higher, a higher level than us. For those of you that were with us, we talked about that word higher means he has a more elevated view. He sees things from a different perspective. Matter of fact, it says his ways are higher than the heavens, not just like from there to here, or not from from there to the top of the, the tower, but it's as high as the heavens. That's how much higher his thoughts and his ways are. And it astounds me that we would try to pull him down to our level and try to get him to think like us or try to somehow reason with God that we know what we're doing and that we're good enough or we're bad enough. Either way. And so, his ways and, and thoughts are more elevated than ours. And because it says it's higher than the heavens, not only are they more elevated, they're more eternal. He sees not just a little bit of time, but a long time. As a matter of fact, eternity is not a long time. It is... Oh, y'all were listening. Everybody say, eternity is not a long time. It is no time. So when God looks at your life, he doesn't see it in the span of 70 years or a 1,000 years or a million years. When you had life breathed into you, you became a living soul. The soul is eternal. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at you right now or tomorrow or at your grandpa or your great-grandchildren. He looks at you as an eternal living soul. That's why he deals with us with such care and yet with such trust truth, because he's looking at our life in eternity. And sometimes we fuss about where we are, or we pride ourselves about where we are. And how many would just amen me when I say we are a fickle people? If you do not know what fickle means, turn to your neighbor and say, what does fickle mean? And then you can amen me. We go back and forth, and it can happen day to day, right? Matter of fact, it can happen from minute to minute. You can wake up, I am ready to take on the world. Oh no, I am ready to go back to bed. Right? It's that same thing. And yet God sees things from an eternal view. Not only are his thoughts and ways more elevated and more eternal, they're more extravagant. Man, I like that word. Extravagant. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. He, it's more extravagant. It has not even entered into our imagination how amazing God's thoughts and ways are toward us. And if you haven't, if you weren't here uh, a couple of weeks ago, I recommend going back and listen to that because we go in and talk about what heaven is going to really look like and what the gold is and the, the gates of pearl, not pearls, pearl, one giant pearl. That's crazy. You think that's amazing. You can see the oyster that it came out of. That's pretty crazy too. So God's ways are higher than our ways, more elevated, more eternal, more extravagant. But the beautiful thing is God does not keep his ways from us. I got to tell you, if I was God, I would want a little space between me and you. Or let me say it this way. If I was God and there was me, I would want some space between me and God. I wouldn't come as close. But God comes close. He came and dwelt among us, became humanity, robed himself in flesh and was tempted and tried just like us. That's incredible. And yet he doesn't want to leave us that way. The scripture says in Ephesians that God has raised us up with Christ and seated with us in him in heavenly places. And so God wants his view of us to be our view of us. He wants to offer you up and pull you up to a place. And I'm telling you, over the next several months, I want to go in and and dive back into that. I felt a little little bump in my heart when I started talking about this a couple of weeks ago, about the place that we're supposed to be with God, how we're supposed to be seated and see ourselves and walk. Let me move on today, though, all right? I want to give you some practical uh, ways as we're moving into Easter that we can know His ways. And so we're talking about, okay, we need to know the ways of God. That's great. Now, can somebody please tell me how I can know the ways of God? I think we've established that His ways are important. Now, let's figure out some ways that we can know His ways. Look at your neighbor and make sure they're doing all right today. Brandon, could I get a little bit more monitor right here? Thank you. Now, report on them. Are they doing all right? They're good? Good to see you folks back from spring break. Glad everybody's back and ready to roll. How do we know His ways? First of all, His Word. If you're taking notes, just write it down. How do I know His ways? His Word, the Bible, the living, breathing Word of God. There's no better way to learn about Him than what He wrote or what He had written. The Scriptures were written because holy men of God had the Holy Spirit breathed upon them, and they wrote His ways down. First Kings chapter two and verse three says this: "Observe the requirements of the Lord your God, follow all His ways, keep the decrees, commands, regulations, the laws written in the Law of Moses, so that you will be successful." And all you do and wherever you go. Now, when you throw out those words like requirements, decrees, commands, regulations, laws, how many of you, when you just say that, it's kind of a turnoff? Raise your hand. Just be honest. Laws, regulations, decrees. We don't like to be nothing decreed over us. We don't like regulations. We don't like laws. We don't like them. And so, there's this thing on us, this, you know, it's this, some of y'all are raised by hippies, or, you know, it's just this thing, you just, I just don't want anybody telling me what to do, I've got this, we're, we're against authority, and we're against this, and against that, and then, some of you that have been hurt by religion, and church, and has messed you up, and I'm not going to have that put on me anymore, so you You see the Word of God, and many times I have, as a decree, as a command, as a regulation, as a law. If if I don't do it right, I'm going to get a ticket. I'm going to get beat up. I'm going to get thrown into fire. It's, It's this thing that we see. And yet the Scripture says, if you will, then you will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. The Word of God... The living, breathing Word of God is there to teach us not the regulations, not just the decrees, the commands. It's to teach us the ways of God. He said, I want you to follow all of His. That's what the Word of God does for us. And it's like me looking at my children and saying, boys, don't do this. Why, why, why? Because I want you to be successful in your life or hey let me give you an uh, give you an illustration boys if you would do this then this would happen sometimes it's easy for the boys to look at me and think well, well dad and mom are, are telling me this because they just don't want me doing that they don't want me having fun and in reality I'm saying look I have been there I, the things I'm telling you not, well you did it yes I did it that's why I'm telling you not to do it It was amazing today, my dad brought me a packet uh, and I opened it up right before I came in this morning and there was one of my old report cards from 1978, I think it was, so I would have been nine years old, I guess, and I was going through there thinking, let's see how this compares up with my boys' grades, you know, I was looking at it and boys, y'all are doing better than daddy was doing, I'm just going to tell you right now. And the reason we say, hey, can you bring those grades up a little bit is because we know... That that's going to make you better in life. It's going to be successful. I want to encourage you today. When you're reading the Word of God, don't look at it as, oh, i got to do that. If I don't do it, I'm going to get in trouble. Look at it. If I will obey it, do what it says do. Don't, don't, don't do what it says don't do. I am going to be successful in everything I do and in everywhere I go. So those of you that are moving into the marketplace and God is using you, you're not in a church setting, in a religious setting. You're in business or arts or entertainment. Find a way to take the Word of God and apply it to where you are. Because this doesn't just work on Sunday morning. This works on Monday and Thursday. Apply the ways of God. And it is not God's ways to be mean. And it's not God's ways to be jealous. And it's not God's ways to leave carnage behind you no matter what it takes for you to build your business. That's not the ways of God. Chris and I, when we were in New York, we got in, we, we, we got into a, a we, had, we used Uber the whole time. And we had a blast. It was great. Except for one cat. And we got in his, and he pulled up, it's like a, a black town car. I thought, like, this is going to be awesome. We get in a town car. The boys are going to think this is a limo. So he pulls up, we get in, it was just filthy, it was just a wreck, it was a mess, and smelled like he had a, three or four cats in the trunk, It was just not, not good at all. Um, and, uh, and he found out, I was a, I saw his Bible day, and I said, oh, you got a Bible? He says, yes, and I, I said, well, I'm a pastor, and boy, he lit into me, started dogging out televangelists, and started just going in. And so Chris and I just kind of went back in him, we're like, all right. We know some of those guys you're talking about. Those are personal friends of ours, and we just kind of went back at him, and the boys were keeping score in the back. All right, Dad, that's a point for Dad. That's a point for the driver. That's a point for Kristen. Ooh, Mama got him. Good. And I finally just had to bite my tongue because I wanted to say to him, look, I know what you think you're doing, but first of all, when I got in your car and it was a mess, that ain't the ways of Jesus. If you want me to have a good example, a good thought of what a Christian is like, clean your car. First of all, clean it out, put some air freshener, then put your Bible out so people will see it, all right? I'm just saying, y'all. And then, if you don't have time to clean your car, at least be nice. Be nice. Just start by being nice. Look at your neighbor and say, be nice, Forget being Pentecostal or Presbyterian or Catholic or charismatic or Christian. Just start by being nice. Just smile. Okay. Maybe I went a little too far. Obey his commands and walk in his ways. Deuteronomy 8 and 6 says this. Watch this. I love this passage, Deuteronomy 8 and 6. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God. How? By walking in his ways and by fearing him. It is not enough to read the word of God, we have to read it and then do it. James says, Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. The way that you and I begin to be more like him is to read what his word says to do and do it. That's why we call it Do Good Friday. Because we don't want to just be good. We want to do good. We don't want to just say that, man, this is what God has called us to do. We want to start doing it. So I want to encourage you to find ways to practically apply the scripture on every single day, in your daily devotion, as you're reading it, try to find a way. Now, how can I apply that today or this week into a situation that I'm facing? Another, this is, I mean, this is an incredible idea. Y'all get ready for this. Another idea is if you're having a situation you don't know what to do, just get to the Bible. Find it. And I can tell you right now, all i got to do is just go to Google and type in, this is my problem, is there a scripture? It's as easy as it's ever been to practically apply the Word of God to your life. Apply it and then do it. Everybody say the Word of God. This is how we know His ways. The second way that we know His ways is the house of God. Micah chapter 4 and verse number 1. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. All right, I'm going to read it again. In the last days. How many of you think that's where we're heading right now? In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills. Didn't plan that. And people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. Y'all, I am believing that that time is coming. I am believing that. But you know who's got to believe that before the nations will believe that? We got to believe that. I truly believe that the local church is the hope of the world. That's how Jesus Christ has set this thing up. He bled and died for his church so that we could be a body, living, breathing example of him. Now, sometimes when you say that word, church, automatically, there's a turn off by people. I'm ready to turn that thing around. I'm ready for when we say church, people go, that's the greatest place in the world. That's the highest place. That's the most important place in the world. I'm going to... Listen to what I'm saying. I want you to hear this. This is how we can do what God's called us to do. Just change our mentality of church. Change our mentality. And it says this, the people from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The best place to learn his ways is in his house. You really want to know someone? Go hang out in their house. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You, How many of y'all, you love having guests, but then after a while you're like, all right, y'all can go on now? You know why? Because they start messing with your ways. Don't they? Because we all got our ways, and we got... Things that we like to do and ways we like to walk around the house and stuff like that, but all of a sudden someone else kind of gets in your place. As much as you love people being there, you're always thinking, "Oh, I don't know if I can walk down that hallway or not. I don't know if I can do that. I usually would do that here. I just can't. you're always thinking about it." But people that live with you start knowing your ways, or if you live with someone, you know their ways. So why do we think that the best way? To learn about God's ways wouldn't be in his house. In his house. I love the scripture when they couldn't find Jesus. And where was he? Remember he was like 12 years old? They couldn't find him. Where was he? He was in the house of God. Hanging out. And he wasn't just teaching. He was also there learning and, and pulling. The scripture says that when he went back after he had been tempted and tested for 40 days. That he went to the temple as was his custom. Even Jesus, the Son of God, hung out in the house of God because that's where you learn His ways. In His house is where you hear His Word. I'm going to tell you right now, we do not take lightly the preaching of the Word here. Kristen can tell you the time that... I set aside to make sure that I'm not just slinging something out or going back through my my 20 something years of preaching and just grabbing old notes. And I'm trying to get something that's going to be fresh and that's going to help you get through the week and that you can apply. We make sure that we 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 make sure that we're putting prayer into it. The house of God is where you hear His word, but the house of God is also where you hear the testimonies of other people. And how God's word is working in their life. Right here. When, you, when we raise our hands and we said, how many have a tragedy you're walking through and you start seeing hands go around and you start looking around and say, I'm not the only one. How many are battling with loneliness and depression? Oh, I'm not the only one. How many have overcome sadness in your life? Oh, I can make it because somebody else made it. That's what the house of God does. Not just on Sunday, but in our small groups, in our gatherings. I want to encourage you. If, you're just, if Sunday is the only day that you're meeting with God's people, find you another way. The best way is our gatherings. I sat with a young man uh, this past week, and we were having coffee together, and, and it was such a cool time as he began to tell me how being in a part of a gathering, a small group, and watching what God has done in, in their life made him want to do more of that. He wanted to be more faithful in certain areas of his life, not out of religion, but because he was seeing how others were seeing it work in their life. That's what it means to be in the house of God. This is why it's important that we provide a place for folks to come. This is why it's so important that we break down all the barriers that people have with church. We want to laugh a lot. We want our kids to enjoy it. We want them to have a blast. We want to make sure the coffee's fresh and that that people walk in and they feel welcomed and wanted to be there. You know why? Because people already have so many barriers when it comes to church. We need to remove every barrier that we can. Make sure the chairs are straight, things are cleaned up. We want to make sure that it smells good, it sounds good. We want to make sure that nobody has an excuse that says, I don't know if I can make it. Let's remove the barriers. That's why we tell all of our crew, look, when you get here on Sunday, if you get here early, park in the back and sit up front. Park in the back, sit up front. Why do we say that? Because we don't want guests pulling into, our, into this parking lot and go, oh, I don't have a parking place. I guess I'm on going home now. We don't want that. Remove the barriers. Smiling, friendly. You know, the Scripture says when you read the parable of the sower that the sower sowed the seed. And there were some that the ground was too thin. There were some the ground was too too stony. There, there were some that it was on the pathway. There are so many excuses for people not to get the word and the word to take root. We want to remove all those excuses because the house of God is so very important. I want God to give us a love for his house. A love for his house. I'm praying right now that God gives us our building. We know it's there. We know God has already promised it. How many still continue to pray for that, that God gives us a building? I'd like for the rest of you to help us pray for that. But until that time comes, I want us to love where we are. Let's love it. Let's serve it. Let's be a part of it. If you're not serving somewhere, next Sunday is Easter. We can use all of the help. I want all of our crew to be ready to serve. Be ready to, get, even if you're not scheduled, just find how can I, what can I do? Because there are going to be people going to be coming next Sunday. We need to remove all the barriers and get this place ready for them. Can I hear an amen? And the rest of you, y'all can amen too, all right? His word, his house, Another way to know him is his spirit. All the charismatics are going, hmm. I was hoping he'd get to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read verse 9. I want to continue on with that. This is what the scriptures means, and they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him, but... It was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit not the world spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Listen, I want to make sure that you are not scared of the Holy Ghost. I want to make sure that you are not scared of the Spirit of God. I heard someone say not long ago that, that in their way, where they, where, the way they were raised up, that the Holy Spirit was kind of like that crazy uncle that everybody's got. There was a father, there was a son. They were good, but the Holy Spirit, ooh. Because when he shows up, crazy things happen, you know. How many got that crazy uncle that shows up at at the family reunion? You love seeing him, but you're a little scared of him, just a little bit, right? That's kind of how the Holy Spirit has been. Now, and what I find is this huge dividing line in the body of Christ that there are people that the only thing they're interested in is the holy spirit. I want more of. I want more. I just want it as spooky and crazy as he can get. I want stuff falling and things moving and just glows and dust and jewels and I want that. And then the other side of the people like you say holy spirit. Did you say holy spirit? Shh, be quiet. Don't say that. Oh, what speaking in who speaking in tongues or oh, the gift of prophecy? What oh we don't talk about that stuff. No, that's of the devil. That ain't the whole, and it's this dividing line. And then there's the people in the middle. That's like I don't really know. Somebody's going to stand here really still, just so both sides. Because I don't really know. Sometimes I stick here. Listen to me. If you are afraid of the Holy Spirit, for either way. Those of you that have been involved in massive outpourings of God. And you've seen the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And yet now you're like, "Ah, don't, don't be afraid of it. He ain't crazy. He's not mean. He's not loony. Don't. Those of you that have been taught, I don't know about all that stuff. Don't be afraid of him. Because he wants to reveal All of the hidden beautiful secrets. All the things that God has freely given us. He wants to reveal them to you. I'm going to tell you something. You will not get the revelation by the word alone. They have to be revealed through the Holy Spirit. It has to be. The Bible says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Word of God, the Scripture says, is sharp as a two-edged sword. So what happens, if you're just a reader of the Word, you're just getting sliced up all the time. Just sliced in surgery, and you're just cut all up and bleeding everywhere. You have to have the Holy Spirit that comes alongside and begins to reveal things to you and brings life, and you begin to activate those things in your life. I want to encourage you to go after more of His Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I want you to reveal more to me. Show me things in my life. Reveal to me the things that you have freely given. You don't have to pay for it. He's freely given it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will in you be a witness that you are sons of God. It reminds you you're a child of God, and it's free. You don't even have to pay for it. So I want to encourage you today to go after more of his spirit. Ask for more of it. The gifts of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, tongues, interpretation of tongues, gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, gifts of healings, gift of faith, the working of miracles, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith, the gifts and the fruit of the spirit, more, more. We want more of you, Lord. We want more of you, Jesus, more of your Holy Spirit, more of your Holy Spirit. More of it. Something amazing about him, though, when you start, people start asking for more of him, he cannot stay away. He cannot stay away. And then watch it come. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be afraid of him. He wants to show you good stuff. He wants to reveal beautiful things to you. Oh, more of you, Lord. More of you, Jesus. More of you. How do I know his ways, his house, his word, his spirit? And how about this one? Him. Him. John 14 and 6, Jesus answered, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. And he shows the way. I love that. He is the way and he shows the way. It just makes sense that we would trust our way to the way. Doesn't that make sense? We just trust our way to him. It doesn't come without asking for more of him. More of you, Jesus. More of your face. More of your glory. More of your grace. More of your spirit. More of your life. More of your truth. More of your grace. Next Sunday, I'm going to be talking, hopefully, about the two sides of God. The God of the Old Testament. The God of Holiness and righteousness and truth. And, and yet also the God of love and grace and mercy. And how those two sides are reconciled. And That's found in Psalms 85 and 10. That mercy and, and truth and righteousness and peace have kissed each other. They've come together in this face called Jesus Christ. And he teaches us how to walk in his ways He is an example for us of grace and truth. The reason I say that today is so you can help me pray for next Sunday, that God really helps me during my study time and my prayer time this week, that that God gives me something to deliver to folks that are coming that have never heard a message like this next Sunday. But I also want to tell you this. As the Holy Spirit is revealing things to you, There are going to be some things that you don't like to see. You're not going to want to see them. And as you read his word, there are going to be some scriptures that you would rather leave out. And push aside. Don't do that. For your own sake. Because his ways are for your good. For your success. You don't have to read it through judgment or through condemning eyes, read it through. Man, he wants what's best for me. He wants what's best for me. I want to pray for you today.